Welcome to the Friends of McGill Captain's Meeting Hockey Podcast. Today, we have the great opportunity to share a conversation with McGill hockey players who have made their way in professional hockey by crossing the Great Divide over to Europe. Jan Turcotte, Ryan McKiernan, and Mathieu Pompey all are having successful careers in professional hockey since leaving McGill. At McGill, they led the team to the illustrious heights of the Queen's Cup and also the Canadian Championship. They talk about their journey to McGill, through McGill, and into professional hockey in faraway lands. The most delightful part of our conversation was when the boys were sharing their favorite stories off the ice, not on it. I had a smile on my face the whole way through. But that changed when our coach Liam Hillis was asked questions by the threesome. His answers evoked a great deal of respect for our coach as he discussed his way to work with his student-athletes in a very difficult COVID crisis situation. Notwithstanding, there was an awful lot of laughter and lots of banter. Let's listen in. Welcome, guys, to the captain's meeting. We have a group of people playing in Europe. It's actually rather exciting. We're getting more and more people coming from our hockey program at McGill and having the opportunity to play both pro-North America and pro-European. I know when I left university, I had both opportunities, and I took them and uh, took my shot at it. And I always say I, I had a good time, not a long time. And, uh, and then went back to university, which is what started my coaching career, which got me back over to Europe again. But it was a decision which you guys have taken as well. So we're going to be going through your stories. Delighted to have you with us. I'll let you introduce yourselves as you go through. Please do start off when you, what years you played, your captaincy years, and your favorite stories from the McGill times, okay? And we're going to go chronologically. So we'll start with Jan Turcotte, who started out in 2005, if I remember. Jan, go ahead, fill in the rest. Yeah, correct. Uh, I'm uh, Jan, Jan Turcotte. Uh, started in 2005 uh, until 2010. Was captain my last year and assistant captain uh, the fourth year, the year before. Yeah, I can say I've been to national championship four times out of my five years. Wow. Never won it, unfortunately, which did happen uh, two years after that. And I'm, I'm quite, quite grateful for that. Go, Miguel. I think we might have won two times the Queen's Cup. I think first one was in 2006, seven. Anyway, I, I, please don't quote me on that. Uh, that could be corrected. Uh, but uh, yeah, this Queen's Cup was, was I think, uh, the first one for a while. So that was quite, was quite something. But yeah, you know, uh, my, my five years there, I definitely had a blast. Uh, and I will say, like every every alumni says, uh, it, it was my five the five uh, best year of my life. And I wish I could go back to them. Uh, that sounds cheesy, and everybody hears this, and uh, I, I've been also hearing it a lot. Never believed it, but uh, it's it's quite true. Absolutely is, absolutely is. And you you went from two five to two ten, and. Uh, Ryan, you started 210. So you you left Jan and Ryan, you came in. So Ryan, why don't you talk about how you chose McGill and then go through your career a little bit? So yeah, I was there from 2010 to 2014. Um, my going to McGill was a little bit kind of, uh, I don't know if serendipitous is the word or kind of, um, you know, just kind of fell into my lap a little bit because it, it had always been my plan to go NCAA. I grew up in New York and that was my goal. Um, after a kind of a uh, tough USHL season. Uh, my NCAA options were slowly disappearing um, and I was presented with the option to go up and play for Drummondville in the queue. 
Um, I was very hesitant. Um, as I mentioned, NCAA was always my path, but I had the reassurance, not that I was going to get into my guild, but I had a good chance that I could go and eventually play for that program. There was a connection there between Guy Boucher and uh, Marty Raymond. Guy Boucher was the coach in Drummondville. So, you know, it was a, it was a plan B, but it was also in a plan A, if you want to look at it like that, just to have the ability to go to McGill and play there as a kind of fallback plan if pro hockey didn't work out initially. And that's kind of what happened. So I came there in 2010 to 2014. And, uh, you know, we were talking before we started recording here about baptism by fire. And, and that was kind of what it is for me, coming, what it was for me coming in. You know, you're thrust into this situation where you have to juggle school, hockey, yeah. um, a social life at the same time, too. And it was overwhelming at the time, but it's something that I came to cherish incredibly uh, after leaving McGill. You don't realize how many, uh, how rare it is to be forced into classes with 20 to 30 different people and forced to interact, you know, how, how, how much you can come to appreciate that after that's all gone when you're in a new city and you don't know many people and your, your social circle is just your, your hockey team. Um, but back to highlights at McGill, uh, we had a very successful time uh, during my four years there. I, I was um, fortunate enough to be kind of um, guided along by Mark uh, Andre Dorian, who was uh, an offensive defenseman as well. And I kind of looked up to him and, and he kind of took me under his wing a little bit there. We had two Queens Cup championships in my first two years we went to the national uh, championships and, and lost in the finals that first year and then the second year we ended up winning it so it was amazing third year was a little bit tougher kind of a rebuild type situation on the fourth year fourth year we had a, a lot of success as well so I look back as uh, very very fond memories there great to hear absolutely Jan you didn't say where you came from where are you born sorry where was that yeah yeah where, where'd you grow up in, in Mon I, was, I was born in Montreal uh and then raised and uh, lived in, in Laval. Actually, um, yeah, a couple houses away from uh, from Mathieu. So uh, <laughs> we have like, what, seven years difference. So I saw this little, uh, little kid uh, grow up, which uh, unfortunately for him, maybe he was looking up uh, to me, which I don't know if that's a good, uh, <laughs> you, good either, example. Either you, baby, either you babysat him or you stuck him in goal on street hockey. Oh, yeah, sure he, he, he definitely did that. Got a couple beatings, uh, unnecessary beatings too. Let me tell you that for free. <laughs> yeah, was it unnecessary? I don't know. <laughs> probably deserved. Probably deserved. Yeah, it's probably what gives him his grit today. <laughs> but Mature, uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Jan. Go ahead, finish off, and then we'll pass it on to Mature. That's a good segue. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, I was going to say how, how I ended up maybe going uh, at McGill. Just, I think I was, I was in, uh, yeah, junior in, in Ontario when I was 19. I was accepted at uh, Ottawa University for the year after, so okay. I was gonna definitely gonna do that. And then um, Action Joliet uh, reached out to me. Uh, head coach was uh, Dominic Ducham, assistant coach now for uh, Montreal Canadiens, yeah. and his yeah. and his uh, younger brother Stéphane Ducham, who's uh, also a McGill uh, McGill grad. Told me they really wanted me to come play uh, my my 20 uh, year old year there. Uh, and then he told me they had a good good connection at McGill that I could uh, definitely go there afterwards. So I was like, "Whoa, okay, McGill." You know, I was I was quite uh, attracted by that. I was like, uh, well, maybe I'll give another uh, year at junior, and then uh, maybe we'll be able to go to McGill, which which did happen, and I'm quite happy that 
that uh, it happened that way. I mean, uh, Ottawa was quite awful in those years, so uh, <laughs> I'm happy it ended up that way. And, and I don't know, to me, uh, McGill is definitely more prestigious than uh, Ottawa University, right? Well, n nothing against Ottawa, but you're absolutely right there. Uh, <laughs> there's no question. We have an overrepresentation of McGillians in almost any career you can take a look at in Canada. And internationally, it's the, the university that is well known. If you look in your various cities, or at least bigger cities, you'll often see a group of McGillians getting together. And, and now if you look on the net, you'll see that too. So yeah, you're, you're spot on. For Canada, you can't do much better than, than uh, going to where we went to. Mathieu? Yeah, so I was uh, from 2012 to 2017, uh, served as an assistant captain in my last year. The way I got to McGill is actually out of pure luck. It was actually Jan that, uh, you know, like you said, I, he, I grew up with him uh, my, whole, uh, my whole life and he was there for, for five years and he was good friends with uh, Dan Jacob, who was the assistant coach, my assistant coach when I was there. And uh, they were still, I, I was looking to play university hockey and nothing. I was playing uh, junior A in the Maritimes in Yarmouth at that point, and I was looking to, you know, go go play NCAA a bit like Ryan. But nothing was really showing up, and uh, nothing in the Maritimes for CIS hockey. So Yan um, actually reached out to Dan Jacob, and uh, we were playing in the in the Bauer Testing League in the in the summer. And uh, Dan was uh, there, and I kind of got lucky. He saw me play, and he said, "Why don't you just get Matt over to McGill?" I mean. In my head, it was out of the question. McGill University, I've never been the student for that. My mom was always like, why don't you go to McGill? I was like, mom, that's not even a possibility for me, to be honest with you. Like, but, uh, and then they did all the application work within a couple of weeks, and uh, I applied, and I got in. And uh, the rest is history. And then uh, for me, while I was there, like uh, Rye said, we, we went to nationals. Uh, I think it was my second year in Saskatoon, and uh, my last year in uh, in New Brunswick and I think that was uh, quite the experience and also with uh, McGill like it wasn't with the team but I got a chance to represent Canada and Kazakhstan uh, in my fifth year which was uh, that was an absolute thrill to wear a uh, Canada jersey and, and and live that experience there and uh, yeah and like Jan said I think you know those five years you don't really notice them when when you're there how how great it is or you know you're juggling school playing hockey and and all that stuff and then after when it's all said and done you kind of look back and say well i'll do it all over again if it if it, it were to happen tomorrow so absolutely it sounds so cliche eh? especially when you're while you're there you, you keep on hearing it and you're like yeah okay yeah we'll see about that but yeah <laughs> well i think yeah. it's when especially your first year you know you get there you're so young and then you got yeah. those fifth years and they're you know like you're like well I didn't make it or, you know, bad year, whatever. I still got three or four. Like, it's not a big deal. But then it just goes by so quick. Like, blink of an eye, you're, you're graduating. And, uh, yeah, it was – it went by pretty quick, to be honest, even five years. So, I can't imagine the guys who do three or four. Like, this it must be really, really fly by. You didn't even say what you studied besides hockey. <laughs> yeah, sorry. What you, what did you uh, graduate with? I graduated in uh, social work with a minor in psychology, but I actually got in uh, teaching English second language. I did uh, grade 12 in uh, Nova Scotia, so I had to do my U0 year, they, they call it. Um, so I just took a bunch of different classes. Didn't really know what I wanted to do, to be honest with you. I kind of was just going with the flow and then uh, applied in social work and got in and then uh, got my degree in that. 
Jan? Uh, got a bachelor in uh, industrial relations and, okay. uh, and uh, two minors, one in management and the other one in uh, psychology. Okay, right? For me, it was a major in finance and a minor in accounting. And you're an offensive defenseman. That doesn't fit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. But uh, it was Just it was tough. It was tough throughout, man. And the uh, faculty of management, it was it was no joke. You're competing. Yep. Uh, it's all about the average, and there was a lot of sleepless nights. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Liam, you want to pipe in there or something? Go ahead. Well, I was saying, as an offensive defenseman, his risk analysis is real good, and you get that from your finance. <laughs> <laughs> can't we? Can't we tell that Liam's turned to coaching? <laughs> Very nicely said, Liam. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> and the other part you didn't mention was the social side. I mean, you had to have some fun somewhere, guys. What's your, what are some of your most memorable uh, McGillian events or activities that you can talk about and that aren't going to uh, get yeah, spread across the internet? <laughs> I would just, uh, if I can pipe in, I would say all the kind of pre-parties and hanging out at 456. Um, I hope No, you were there too? The mix. Yeah, oh, yeah. well... I was going to say the same. <laughs> no, <laughs> no you didn't all live there. I didn't oh. live there. No, thank God. Thank God. I had some. No, that was only, that was only the party place. You would, we would wreck the place and then just leave and go sleep <laughs> home. Exactly. That was still ongoing way back in my time, huh? back in the 80s. That, I guess that's when it probably started. Uh, the key got mo uh, most, actually most of my captains lived at, at, any, at one given time. I don't know, I, the only guy you'll remember from that, because you probably don't need the other guys, they all went into uh, into business careers, but they, the one guy that was there was Mike Babcock. Huh? He was, <laughs> that's where he lived, along with a bunch of the other fellas who are pretty strong alumni. Okay, keep going. Is it still your, a team your, apartment? Yeah, as far as I understand, it is, because every call I'm on, that's what they talk about. <laughs> all right, good. And the famous, yeah, boxer, the famous boxer short party started there. I don't know if you guys still, yeah, why you don't? Yeah, that was you my... still don't do that, but when I came back and celebrated my 60th uh, with with all the guys, I brought a couple of bags of uh, McGill boxer shorts back, and that's what we were all wearing, including the girls, and dancing on the floor and doing the dead bug and the whole bit. Well, that's where it came from, huh? because we, uh, we yeah. kept that, and then uh, for some reason, uh, after games, it was boxer times. <laughs> <laughs> so we just... Yeah, well, that's where I, it started. I guess, we, I guess we didn't know why, but uh, that that's that was a tradition. We had to. You guys got a lot of traditions that we started back then, and I don't know if you still got the mugs, and if you get your hockey sweater retired when you graduate, and you get we did a hockey sweater when you graduate, and a white one and red one when you did your fifth year, and along with that we did a big a big uh, action shop picture with your stats on it, and I think that's still ongoing, right, Liam? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and all, we started the banquet. Yeah. And we started the banquet. We started a tradition, which I don't think is going any, anymore, but we started a tradition where the, uh, the cap, the outgoing captain had only one year term and he had to be a part of the selection group or committee to bring in the next captain, coach him through what, what he wanted to see as a, as a handing over the leadership. And then at the banquet, that the outgoing captain gave his speech and the incoming captain gave his speech with sweaters on. So it was really a cool tradition. Hmm. And I don't, I, don't, I don't think you're still doing that. But uh, uh, anyways. I didn't do it in my yeah. years uh, neither. Yeah, but you've carried on a lot of good traditions. Marty, of course, it would be the key one that you remember as, as, as one of the last guys. It was from my era. It's that long yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, think I had him for four, uh, for four years. 
I think while he was gone, it was kind of a, the end of an era because obviously he was there for, for so long yeah. and uh, it kind of shifted um, the, the team a little bit. Uh, not, nothing wrong with that, of course. And, no. uh, but uh, it, it was definitely a, a shift because it was quite a, it was a routine uh, year in and year out, which was also good, you know, that, that we, we kept every, everything, every, the culture, the, 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 all the habits and this and that, which, which was good because we were building on it and we, yeah. we, had, we had success. But uh, definitely when uh, Marty left and it was uh, the end of an era. Yeah. But I cut you off. You're about to tell me your social activities at four, five, six. Who was that, Ryan? <laughs> oh, no, I was just, yeah. Without going into too much detail, that was, uh, there were some fond memories made there. And, uh, you know, I was also going to mention OAP. It's funny how I'm just mentioning drinking occasions right now, but it is, I guess that highlights the social aspect uh, once yeah. again, just, you know, bringing everybody together and um, going through the same hardships, whether it be loss in a game or exams and stuff like that, and kind of supporting each other and, and, make, and finding a way to make it through, you know. Absolutely. And coming together and bonding uh, the, only the way you can through sport and team sport for that matter. What about you guys, Jan, Matt, Matt? Well, I, 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 can, I, I can keep, I can keep going on, uh, on four, five, six, uh, because, um, I mean, uh, my first year, uh, well, the last four years I, I lived, uh, well, around campus, uh, I was on, uh, St. Sobain street, which was like five minutes walk to the, yeah. the McConnell arena. Uh, but my first year, I was still live it, uh, living at my parents in Laval. So, you know, it's your first year at university. You definitely want to, after games, after home games, you want to enjoy it, of course. So uh, I ended up sleeping there uh, almost every weekend. Uh, that year was uh, Doug Orr, uh, <laughs> Chris, Churchill, Chris Churchill Smith. Oh, nice. Uh, Dave Urquhart was uh, yeah. living there, as well as uh, Stephen Bobby Pierce. Mm -hmm. um, lawyer now yeah so uh and i think it, it, they, they were running the, the place quite quite well uh actually and they were welcoming everybody they had also good uh, a good network so we we definitely uh had a blast over there that's uh, really cool there's some stories that obviously cannot be uh tell here i can't uh, say this call is going to stay <laughs> confidential <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, and I th I think when when everybody left, and even when I left after that, the four five six had a big uh, renovation. So the drunk tank was no more. I think it, it was. They, I think they took the the kitchen. The kitchen became bigger, or yeah, I think I, I think so. So they give a pretty good boost of renovation, and it, it looked quite quite uh, better. Because let's let's be honest, that that, that department got a be amazing another 50 years and they'll have a little plaque outside you know which redmonds <laughs> live live there right oh sorry I don't know, now, is it... redmond and red birds now right <laughs> but is it still going on i mean uh maybe liam can liam go ahead if, tell us if, if it's still if it's still a place for the hockey guys it is very much so a, still a place for the hockey guys i was fortunate enough to live there uh my year playing oh no at, at the hood <laughs> and uh, that's why you got married and JP Maju, and it makes you think about things really quick, yeah, for sure. But uh, I, I loved every minute of hosting our team parties and having a blaster. And I played with Palms that year, so it was a lot of um, a lot of fun. And Palms was over often, um, and it's great for a new guy 
coming into a team to get to know your teammates when they're over at your place all the time. So um, it's, it's very much still alive. Uh, we hosted some wonderful Halloween parties and I, I would say that the renovation is more of just an exterior facelift, uh, a little bit of makeup. That's it. Um, mm -hmm. It's uh, the drunk takes been eliminated from the kitchen and added to the kitchen and everything else is still very much the same. It's, it's like putting a deodorant uh, when you don't shower, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Maybe yeah, we can you're, have you're giving us an image here. <laughs> Matt, did you come up with something? I mean, the guys pretty much touched, uh, touched on everything. Just uh, the fact of hanging out with the guys outside the rink. And like Rice said, when uh, time's a little harder with, uh, with school and being able to you know, get together and kind of put everything aside and just uh, hang out at one one apartment. Four, five, six was also the place. And uh, my place actually became uh, 4055 on saint saint uh, became a spot, a uh, pretty hot spot there. My last, uh, I think it was my fourth year. And yeah, people would always show up and I'd get home and there'd be people after after hours and want to go to bed and uh, didn't really have a choice to just stay up and hang out. But uh, it, was, it was a good time and... Uh, Yeah, OAP, uh, BDP, like all those places were just a good spot. Everything's so close. And uh, like, yeah, and I lived, I lived in, uh, in Laval with my parents my first year. So I didn't really uh, get to experience the whole, the whole thing. I, it was a little harder because, you know, you got to find a way to get home after or somewhat. So, um, but then I ended up staying downtown and, uh, and taking advantage of uh, being around the guys and living the student athlete lifestyle. And Liam, I'm not going to ask you. You've got to take a proper uh, stance as coach, right? <laughs> Unless yeah. you want to share, of course. <laughs> All I'll say is we've got our first, our new, our newest recruit is joining, and he'll be moving into four, five, six with two veterans, and we're excited to have the really? tradition carried at four, five, six. And I fondly remember our our OA, OAP days and and PDP, and I know the guys are are smart and responsible, and they have a lot of fun. Uh, together as a group and uh, I think that's what makes the experience really special away from the rink these guys are they're in uh, in a common battleground and they, they've got a lot of hockey and a lot of schooling and it's not easy and it, it really forces them to bond together and and have their fun away from the rink when they have those opportunities too and it makes it more special more special when you go and look back at them like they are so it's it's great hearing some of these stories from the boys were you there liam i thought it was you host a beach party at four five six that one year was that was that with your the year you were there too i wasn't a beach party there's still sand left in the place though okay well we did a beach party and brought and brought some sand in and, and all oh that my stuff God. and uh yeah I, i thought i don't know if i was making that up or uh <laughs> it actually happened but yeah i'm pretty sure yeah it was uh it was hosted there and yeah like you said there was sand all over the place <laughs> Well, my, must admit, we also had a beach party at uh, four, five, six. So, uh, which year the sand is from? That's a big question. <laughs> which year the sand is from? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's really good. That's really good stuff. I tell you, I don't know. The young guys are probably going to snicker about it, though. Meaning the guys who are playing, because they'll be up to their own tricks, which I hope you never find out about Liam until they're on a podcast with you. <laughs> Uh, but the alumni are going to get a big howl out of this because they've all gone through that. Four, five, six has been through every decade of of, uh, of our hockey uh, program uh, since I can recall. 
Hearing this just makes makes me realize how uh, you know the passing on the tradition was so strong at McGill, especially when you know you, you spend like between three and five years there uh, max. So the, the the turnover of players that comes and go is is crazy, you know, over a span of uh, over the years. And but uh, it always did amaze me how much uh, tradition was always uh, passing along, even though you don't even know where it is from or why it is that way. It just is, and it, it, it's it's great that way. Invisible loyalties, they're called, and they create legacies. They absolutely create legacies, and you guys are not only a part of it, but you've also carried it forward and made it your own as well. That's a, that's a fantastic story and, and really something to be honored because it's very powerful. You, you mentioned something there, Jan. I want to take you up on that. Exactly that. Who did you sort of look up to? Not that you need to look up to anybody, especially as a young buck at 18, 19, 20, but who really sort of took you as a, as in a mentoring role and, and took you under their wing as a senior that you can look at and say, hey, you know what? Thank you very much. And by the way, I did the same. Well, it was just before me getting into McGill. It was definitely Dan Jacob. Uh, you know, I, I came in the year he left. And actually, uh, that was at a banquet. I was invited as a was a, yeah a new a new rookie. And then I knew Dan Jacob through uh, yeah summer hockey with the, with Bauer. Uh, definitely, yeah. I after the banquet, I ended up spending time with them and ended up spending the night over at their apartment, which ended up being being my apartment uh, later on. <laughs> we call we call it the palace. Uh, the palace. Uh, 41, 44 on uh, Saint Sobain, which is no more. Uh, I think that that was the end of it. We ended up having uh, uh, those bed bugs uh, at the end anyway. They had to renovate, huh? <laughs> <laughs> the one, they had no Be choice. Be proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Dan Jacob definitely, and he, he, he did remain uh, to this day a pretty uh, a dear friend, of course. But maybe my first year, uh, our captain was uh, P.A. Paquette. Uh, oh, yeah. kind of, uh, I was sitting just beside him. We had that agreement that we would uh, ch chit chat uh, maybe uh, five minutes every uh, uh, before practice or so. So it was always keeping in touch and uh, checking how I was uh, doing. Uh, it was, was uh, always appreciated. But uh, yeah, I was also, I, I had Doug Orr uh, also Great as a guys. fifth year, as a fifth, fifth year on my, uh, on my, um, that was my first year, that was his fifth year. Uh, all, all those group, all those guys from um, uh, uh, four or five, six, definitely, because they allow me to just crash over uh, their place. Uh, you know, I was just a rookie, and uh, it didn't mm. matter. You know, that was uh, that was totally fine. Uh, cool stuff. Cool yeah. stuff. What What about you, Ryan? Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I think uh, Mark Andre Dorian kind of was yeah. a uh, someone I could look up to because we shared similar uh, roles in the game, and um, I think also too. Evan Vossen, we always uh, look back and mention how great of a captain he was, but it also helped um, having somebody who was English speaking, not necessarily from Quebec, um, that I could kind of look up to yeah. and say, hey, I can make it here too as well. Um, I was kind of, you know, in foreign land and just having him be successful uh, in something that was unknown for me kind of, you know, let me, uh, let me succeed. Very nice. Very nice. It's funny how the world turns on huh? because, uh, Back in the back in my day, of course, we had the first French Canadian captain. It was the reverse. We had to help the guys who were who came in speaking French, uh, and so the English guys had to turn around and uh, English speaking guys turn around and, and help them out. And they really came together. Some great stories about that, 
about how they came together with the with the French Canadian kids who had to come in and were faced with with complete uh, anglophone environment and uh, and it was tough. It was very tough for them. And uh, and you'll get some stories out of some very renowned, well renowned Montrealers too, who would talk about how the team came together and the anglophone non Quebecois kids came kids. Uh, players came together and and talked to the young French Canadian kids who were really struggling, and and let them know how important they were to them and how much the the guys cared for them. So it was, it's a reversal now, which is really interesting. And I said back then, Earl the Pearl will say, who I hired by the way, uh, he'll say that I told him way back then we won't win a Canadian championship until we have fewer French Canadian teams playing in university. And that's one of the things that happened. Why? We got you guys. We got you guys who could get into the school, but we're going everywhere else because there's so many options and so much money out there. Anyways, Maddie, how about you? Who is your uh, mentor? I mean, like I said earlier, uh, I mean, I grew up with Jan and then he, you know, seeing him do all this uh, walkthrough and go to McGill and all that stuff. And uh, he's, he's helped me a lot with uh, the pathway there. And uh, Dan Jacob also has helped me a lot and, you know, still helps me to this day when I have uh, something I need to talk about or hockey related or what whatnot and uh when i and then as uh my first year in the team it was uh ben nevike uh he had ah. just won the national championship yeah. the year before uh you know he was a, a great guy to me and uh you know always open to talk and uh, we're still really good friends uh, up to now and uh there's also um cedric mcnichol uh, oh yeah yeah <laughs> the number of times kelly's told me hey watch this guy watch this guy look what he does so I and then he kind of took me under his wing and he wasn't he wasn't playing uh when he got here my uh, I think it was my second year he was redshirt but he was still around the team quite a bit yeah, yeah yeah but then when he did play he had such a big impact and he was such a good player and good person mm. off the ice that uh he was a really good role model and uh really looked up to him in his style of play and how he is as a person so that uh really helped me uh, throughout the years very nice story none of you did phys ed as I heard, which is interesting because I didn't either. My, my undergraduate degree, the first one was economics and politics. And then off I went and played hockey. So what made that decision for you? You, you took something else besides sport or the business of sport, and yet you still had that itch to go out and, and get, try your hand at pro hockey. So there's two things. Why pro hockey? And uh, although that may be obvious. And then why Europe? Why study something else than something in the world of sport? For me, like I mentioned, it was finance and accounting. That was something that in my mind gave me the best, gave me the best option for after my career. I knew I wanted to be somewhere in the world of finance. I didn't know exactly what, but I knew getting a degree in that field was something that would help me later on. The other question was why pro hockey? And, and that was a dream of mine my whole life. But while you're at McGill, you, you're kind of, you're riding the line of back and forth between you're almost changing personalities daily. You're this, you know, finance guy who's studying hard and then you're a hockey guy and you're back and forth and you're kind of, for me at least, I was always dealing with whether or not pro hockey was a reality or not. And, and who am I today? Keeping both doors open so that eventually I had a plan, whether it was in sport or in finance. So I guess that was kind of what I was dealing with while I was at McGill. And then you asked also why Europe. When I graduated McGill, I was 24 years old. I was not drafted and my interest from North American pro was small. And I kind of, uh, I realized that it would have been quite a process to go through the East coast and work my way up. And at 24 years old already, I was probably considered less of a prospect. So I kind of decided to head to Europe right away. 
And after a really good final year at McGill, I won some awards and things like this and then put up some points. So it kind of gave my, uh, my stock a, a boost and I had a couple options in, in Europe. I can remember referencing you somewhere too, for that matter, interestingly enough. Well, how old are you now? I am 31. Okay. You don't look it, by the way. Just, Thank you. It's the lighting here in Berlin. Just as, just as I don't. Lack of lighting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. that's right. Over to you, Jan. <laughs> lack uh, of lighting. I'm more, I'm more of a guy that uh, I was loving hockey more than uh, hockey was loving me. Why, why no phys ed? Or I, I industrial relation. That's because um, uh, I really wanted to go in management, uh, but I didn't, I, I didn't have the, I couldn't get in in management. Uh, I was told like, hey, uh, maybe on your first year, if you get the grades and all, uh, then you, you'll be able to switch. That was my plan, but uh, I kind of underestimated uh, maybe the language and how what it did require. Uh, to study at McGill. So my, my first uh, year, my grades were not so great. So it was, uh, it was kind of a, a period of adjustment. So I couldn't switch, but then I was uh, still doing industrial relation, which I kind of uh, was at peace with it, which I, I ended up doing in, in minor in, in management and, uh, and psychology, which was also my interest. And later on in my career, I did a uh, MBA degree so uh, it'll, it'll all turn out uh, fine but uh, yeah so I'm that, that that's why uh, physical education for some reason I was like oh no I, I uh, it, it sounded too easy in my in my head uh, I didn't want it to do that which now I kind of yeah if it were, if I could do it again maybe I would go in phys ed mm. uh, nothing wrong with it uh, but it was just my perspective back then uh, after my Fifth year, um, yeah, definitely. I, I didn't want to start working. I wanted to play pro hockey. Ended up having a tryout the next day in California, um, the East Coast, Bakersfield, uh, with was wasn't uh, wasn't successful, and then ended up playing two games in uh, in the CHL, then in Arizona, and then salary problem and all. It, it didn't worked out so okay let's go back home so I ended up playing uh, yeah, semi-pro in Quebec and then the year after same thing however whoop out of nowhere someone reached out to me a friend of uh, uh, a friend of Dan Jacob Fred Perron I think he's uh, a little bit known around uh, around McGill they played together in Serbia and all anyway he also played in, the, in that team uh, in Erefein in, uh, in the Netherlands they were looking uh, mid-year they were looking for uh, for a defense I kind of, uh, I was, I had a job. I was a, I was a sales rep for a beer company. Uh, then uh, for Boreal. So I was like, hey, uh, I have it okay. And I was still playing hockey. So first answer was like, yeah, no, you know, I, I'm done with it. But then I, it was just in my head. And then the next day or a couple of days after, I was like, yeah, you know what? So I, I quit everything, quit my, the team I was in, quit the job. And then I, I went over, even if it was for half a season, went over, play, uh, play in, the, in the Netherlands, in the Eredivisie. Met a girl over there. The year after, uh, it was the lockout in the NHL. Therefore, couldn't find a place myself to go back in Europe because uh, everything was just falling down. So I stayed in, in, uh, in Canada that year. But uh, that was, for me, uh, really a shitty year. I was not happy. I was missing Europe. 
uh, I was missing that girl also, obviously. So I was I was not happy at that moment. And then I was like, yeah, I, I got to do everything to uh, go back, go back there. Uh, I was loving the lifestyle. I was just loving the experience. Made it happen. Uh, I, I, I pushed it through, you know, like uh, sending emails here and there and trying all my networks. And finally, it did work out. I went to Strasbourg in, in France, played a season there uh, in, the, in the Magnus League back then. Season after, I went to play in UK in uh, in Hull, mm. uh, also top top league, the elite league. Uh, I, I did sign a contract there for two years, which in my contract they were also uh, paying my uh, my MBA degree. And then after the first year, well during the summer, my brother also signed there. He's a uh, Mathieu's age. Uh, we're seven years different, so it was kind of a dream. Uh, it was going to come true for us playing together but over that year uh, late in the summer the team went uh, I heard over Facebook and uh, the team went bankrupt so it was not going to be a, a second year of my contract I had to find something else so went back I uh, was fortunate to be able to go back to Edivane where I, everything started to go back to my first uh, first love meaning the girl and hockey or the girl yeah I was going to say yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I went back to her, played there for three years. Uh, I got engaged there after my my first year. Still engaged, by the way, which is then five years. But, uh, you guys have a tough turning getting... that into marriage, eh? <laughs> we're actually getting married in uh, in uh, April. We're making this official. Uh, Good um, stuff. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. But then, um, yeah. So I I, I went back there, uh, played three seasons in in Irvain, and now uh, moved. Irvain is in the north of the country. Uh, and then played two seasons uh, in uh, Galim, uh, which is in the south. Uh, we live now in, in Maastricht. So I, I, for the last five years, uh, I've been in the Netherlands. Uh, we just bought a house uh, last last summer, and uh, we got a little a little girl. She's four months today, actually. Very nice, very nice. So, uh, Doesn't sound like you're gonna get those wooden shoes off any too soon. <laughs> <laughs> and she she got them. Uh, she, someone gave that as a gift to her. Uh, I found it so cute that those those actual shoes that are she'll be able to wear them. Apparently, yep. uh, you want you want your kids to have them because you always know uh, where they are because it you makes can hear so them. much noise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Good stuff. Great story. Yeah, and yeah. good persistence too, not just uh, to get back over in hockey, but also with your young lady. No, yeah, <laughs> well, it, it might not. It might not be as top level as uh, Ryan or Mathieu or even uh, Marc Andre or so. But to me, hockey was 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 part of me, and it was also more about the. Uh, opportunity of, of doing something in, in a different country it was about the adventure yep. it was about uh, just getting stuff uh, happen to me you know like uh, by being out there those things happen so now I'm, I'm kind of stuck here I, I have a, a wife to be which is, she's Dutch and uh, we have a little baby and I just wanted the, the stuff happening to me actually uh, good stuff and before we go over to Matt I'm going to change one word for you please uh, take out stuck and put in settled. Okay. <laughs> settled sounds much, much better. And your wife will be happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, but it sounds, it sounds more drastic. You know? <laughs> it's a great country. That's where I played. I played, I played in Hernvane as well. Yeah. Uh, just prior to them having their championship run way back in uh, when they had natural ice. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't necessarily the greatest of hockey, but it was, a, it was one heck of a good life experience. That's for sure. Matt, yeah. what about you, man? Uh, so why not for Zed? Uh, to be honest, when I got to McGill, I had no idea what I wanted to take. Uh, it was kind of uh, just out in the air and uh, always been really like 
good with people. Um, so I kind of was really interested in psychology. And then someone had told me like, yeah, social workers right up that alley. It's not quite like psychology, but with a psychology degree, you can't really do much with it after. Like, you obviously you have to go do your PhD and whatnot. Like, and that was uh, like, I wanted to play hockey and pursue my, like where I said, it's always been a kind of a dream for me to play professional hockey. So, you know, I went to McGill and hockey was kind of like my plan A and like, yeah, I was doing school. And obviously that was, uh, that, that made me learn a lot as a person and, and whatnot. But yeah, so like that was the main goal was to graduate, get the degree and, and continue hockey. I was, uh, it's part of my identity. Again, said it's, it's been part of my life. It's something that I wanted to pursue. Wasn't ready to go to work yet. And uh, so that's why I kind of chose that path and uh, why Europe. Uh, just, I mean, I'm not a very big guy. I've been told many times you would fit the, the gameplay there really well. Had a couple of East Coast offers at, in my fifth year after the season. Mm. Was really hesitant to go. Called Dan, asked him what his opinion was. Asked Jan, what, what, you know, what should I do? Is this going to help? Is this going to uh, affect me going to Europe? Like Europe was always in the the goal and then yeah I came over on uh, on a tryout my first year I said whatever I'll just I'll just take the tryout had no no real offers but it's kind of been the story of my hockey career has been uh, kind of go in as a nobody and and make your way up and uh, that's I just kind of took that opportunity and uh, and ran with it and uh, now I'm here I'm uh, been here for four years and uh, experiencing uh, the European lifestyle which is actually unbelievable it's uh, so nice and, and relaxed and uh, obviously, yeah, miss home some days, but uh, that's part of it. Mm, nice. If I can add one thing to uh, the discussion about why not studying in the world of sport, I, I wish looking back now that I have a career in hockey and, and had I known, I would have probably wanted to study something like kinesiology or something that just more of a study of the body because we're using our bodies every day where, you know, we go through injuries, whatever it may be. And just to have a background knowledge about that, I think probably would have been pretty helpful uh, with training and, and on ice stuff. So I agree on that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Like, right. Like where I said, I think, I mean, hockey's something I kind of want to stay in in the future. I know we're probably going to touch base on that. So well, keep going. Maybe go. You're doing the segue. Thanks Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like, like where I said, maybe going back. Yeah. Maybe phys ed or something to do. I, I, I was always uh, like now looking back, I was in like sports management, but they didn't offer, they don't offer that at McGill. Yeah. So that would have been something I think that I probably would have leaned towards. I uh, was also looking maybe to do that now uh, in like during my time here, but I never, put myself to doing it, uh, put myself to another degree. I don't know if I can, I can manage that right now. So, yeah. So doing it all over again, I probably, yeah, probably would take that or some classes that are related to that. So it could carry on for, for future. Thing is the phys ed for me was just like, Hey, if I study this, the only thing I could become is, uh, the, the phys ed teacher at the high school. Uh, so, but yeah, that was me having a narrow mindset, of course. But uh, yeah, that, that's what it was. But definitely, I, I second uh, Ryan's. It, it, it's we're we're in it. We have so much knowledge. Not we we haven't studied it, but then we have, of course, knowledge and experience with it. Uh, I think we would have been great. Yeah. By the way, the yeah. guys who have gone through McGill uh, and had careers in hockey, a good majority of them uh, did do physical education, and then they did do graduate work in psychology. So just interestingly enough, 
most of them, I mean, if you talk Marty, I think Guy as well, and then George Burnett and Mike Babcock, Comper uh, as well. That's, that's my era. They all went through physical education, and most of them went into some kind of graduate school psychology work as well, or education, depending on the, I think Comper was straight education. The rest were psychology. So interesting that you say it that way. I Quite comparable. I did economics, politics, went up, tried my luck into hockey down in the States, comparable to you, Jan. Went back and st- I tried to get into a master's program, couldn't do it. So I really doubled up on my courses at Waterloo in kinesiology so I could get into graduate school and actually, actually won a Canadian championship with them in hockey. And then uh, before I could get that completed in five semesters, I got an offer to go play in Heronvane and away I went and came back the next year after getting gradu- uh, graduate school acceptance while I was holidaying in Spain. And uh, that actually started my, uh, my, my coaching career. I got, I got accepted into human kinetics. And uh, when I got a Canada Council Fellowship, that's what brought me to Montreal. I got a, a Canada Council Fellowship, allowed me to study with uh, Wayne Hollywell at the University of Montreal. And I did the Science de l'Activité Physique, uh, Psychologie Sociale. So, uh, yeah, awesome. we all end up finding a way to get to where we want to get to. Effectively, just keep following that passion is... A lot of people say that, but if you keep doing that, uh, then it'll you'll find a way to uh, to enjoy what you're doing. That's, that was my decision. My doctorate work is uh, whatever. As long as we put a roof on the over top of our heads and food on the table, then I'll do what I like doing. And yeah. that's basically what uh, what what led my way. What did you? And that leads me right to that. What's the learnings you've gotten out of your your journey so far, guys? In life. Okay. In life? Yep. You're uh, Matt. You're. I think you're the youngest. I don't know how old you are now. Uh, I'm 29. 20, 29, 30. 31. How old are you, Jan? Uh, 36. Yep, there you go. And Liam, you're 31, I think, or something like that, maybe 32. Okay, so you're, you, but you've got enough life experience that you've, you've gotten some guiding principles for yourself out of your life's experience since you've left McGill. What are they? Uh, I mean, for me, McGill has taught me, like, from being a junior player, you know, like you're 19, 20, and then coming in at McGill and doing your five years, it's, it's, it's not only about hockey, it's it's taught me so much about time management, uh, responsibilities. Mm. You know, you're living alone. I mean, for me, I was living alone. Usually in June, you got to build a family that's kind of like your parents, you know, you're making you your food and all that stuff. And and it's like the little things, but they they teach you so much about, you know, you get back from practice and you got to cook and then you got to study and you got to manage all this time. And then you got an exam coming up, but you got a game also that they, you know, like it's all those things that teaches you about life because that's what life brings you you never you know you got you don't have always all the time in the world to 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 prepare and do all these things so you gotta you gotta kind of put your focus on certain places and and certain things at the right time and for me I think Kelly has really taught me a lot about life not just as a a hockey player but as a person the the importance of, of being on a team, like obviously I played hockey my whole life, but I think it's taught me a lot when I was at McGill. And uh, for me, time management was probably my, my biggest uh, learning. Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you. To what uh, Matthew was saying is uh, it's not really what you, it's not so much about what you learn in your degree, but more about the time that you spend there. And uh, McGill taught you how to, to live as a, as a decent person, you know, as, as a good person. Mm. Uh, they, they they teach you the the right values so those things you can uh, translate that uh, in, in your future and uh yeah especially for me with a degree in industrial relation um 
I mean, it, it was more about yeah, time management and and all that, and more uh, being a uh, a better person, and also being in a in a hockey team. It's a plus that uh, a student that goes there and only study uh, will not uh, get. It's a baggage as as a yeah, varsity team is about an extra baggage that we're that we're getting there. But uh, also uh, life life lesson wise. Um, if I can say something is if, if you want something, then, then go get it. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. not going to just happen to you. Uh, you'll have to work for it. And if, if you really want it, then uh, it sounds cheesy again, but if you really want it, then, then you'll make it happen and, and you'll get it. Uh, example of that for me was, uh, yeah, I wanted to play in Europe and, and, and I made it happen. Uh, yeah. it, it, you know, it was not that easy for me, but I, I pushed it and I, this is what I wanted and I didn't make it happen. Yep. Uh, same, same thing for, uh, see when my, um, when, when the team went bankrupt and uh, I still had one year to go for my, for my NBA, uh, but then I, I had no more uh, contract and my visa, my study visa was attached to uh, having an employer, which needed to be that hockey team. So I had an off year of it, but uh there was no way in my mind that I, I went through all of this uh, without uh, being able to finish it. It was it was simply not an option for me. So I, I tried a couple uh, options to 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 finish it, which were not successful. But finally, I I was able to be able to finish it uh, part time, going flying back back and forth uh, for a year after that, flying back and forth maybe five or six times to be able to finish it from uh, from the Netherlands to the UK because I wanted to finish it and I wanted to have that, that degree in my pocket. There was no way for me that I was not going to finish this thing. And uh, once again, I just made it happen. It was hell. I, 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 uh, that was the year I could, uh, I started a new, a new job, like an, a real job. I was playing hockey and then uh, I was uh, doing my MBA. It was, it was quite hell. But once it's done and in the pocket, you're just like, oh, okay, well, been there it's it's done and it's just an experience and and you have it and yep. you're, you're proud of it so nice uh, resilience yeah. and persistence no question yeah can i jump in right quick for ryan here like sure. uh, one one thing also i think what mcgill really brings out is that you, they don't give you any shortcuts no matter if you're if you're a student athlete they you know you gotta you gotta fight through being an, a, a student first you know i've heard so many stories about oh, i'm a student athlete just get an easy a yeah. no <laughs> it doesn't happen no and i think you know it, it, it when you're at that time it's it sucks because sometimes you're like man i would take that easy a or like that e easy class but it teaches you that you got to put the work in to get your degree and like Jan said a lot of times i was like man i don't know if this is right for me like i was so scared getting to mcgill i i didn't even want to go university was probably the scariest thing for me but then I was like man there's no way I'm not getting this this degree at the end you know like I this is what I came here for and I'm gonna fight through it and I think that taught me that you can't take shortcuts if you want something yep thank you yep. Ryan so one thing I uh kind of reflected on about my time at McGill is your your change of role within a short period of time which is four years so you come in there we talked about mentoring we talked about somebody taking you under your wing you're a freshman, you come in there, you kind of, you, you, you take your hole a little bit, you, you do your thing, you do your work, okay? And in a such a short period of time, over a couple of years of trying to manage everything, you get kind of forced into this more of a leadership role, whether it be through being a captain as, as we were, um, or just, you know, somebody on the team who speaks up and who brings it on the ice. And I think 
learning how to navigate that definitely has helped in my pro career because as I mentioned, I had a, a pretty solid year in my last year at McGill, but then whoop, I go into pro hockey and instead of being the big dog at McGill, now I'm a 24 year old on a pro hockey team where I have to kind of recalibrate everything and, and find out, you know, going through the ropes kind of as, as a new guy again. So that was something uh, that McGill kind of helped me with because as I mentioned, you go through that uh, transition of the roles there. That's the first thing in terms of life lessons from the sport over these last couple of years. I think a lot of it has to do with the social aspect and the mental aspect. I think mm -hmm. um, you go through it a little bit less at McGill because you're going in with guys that you know you'll probably be there with for four years uh, together. Um, but with pro hockey, the roster could very well be completely different every single year. And you know, a couple of you guys have psychology backgrounds, you know, there's those steps of storming, norming, all those different things. And you have to go through that and navigate that all while kind of focusing on the wellness of the team, but also of yourself too. So there's a lot of different factors there and it's kind of a juggling act. So that's something that I've definitely gotten better with over the years and learned to manage. And I, I'm sure that has implications for my next career, whatever that may be, kind of dealing with people. I won't be able to get physical with them on the ice if things ever go poorly, but I'm sure, you know. <laughs> I'll find a way. One more thing too, life lessons. Uh, we've been blessed to play this game and, and playing this game means working very hard, but it also means a lot of free time. Uh, we're at the rink probably, myself, for example, uh, 8.30 till 12 every day. And then after that, it's completely free. So it forces you, it forces a huge amount of introspection to see what genuinely interests you, uh, what you want to do with your free time. Um, and for me, that first year was a huge shock. I went from being in classes at McGill my final year um, to going to Stockholm where I didn't speak the language. I was only one of two imports on the team uh, and I was in a completely new culture there. So um, yeah, it really forces you to find out what makes you tick and um, get your uh, shit together mentally <laughs> at least. Yep. Adaptation is one of the things that you guys didn't say so much, and yet you're being forced to do that through hockey and the changes you've taken on because of hockey. You've all been very successful at adapting to new situations, social, cultural, educational, and financial situations. And that's one of the right. things that's, that, that goes across all of you, uh, all of us, right. actually, uh, compliments of wanting to pursue a, a career that is not exactly stable. <laughs> right. So I would also say one final thing too is it was pretty wild to move from a transition of playing hockey as something you do because you love it to something that you know earns you your living. If you have a bad game at McGill or something like that, you just have so much other stuff going on. You have parties, you have school, you have to worry about, and then all of a sudden, whoops! It's it's what's putting the food on the table, and being able to kind of disassociate from that uh, skillfully when things are not going well is a huge, huge skill that you have to learn and you know, comes back to yeah. how you fill your free time. So uh, that was, that was a huge, huge skill that I had to overcome in the first couple of years. Good stuff. Thank you. Okay. The future, what's it hold for you? Five, 10, 15 years down the road. Have you given some thought to that and what happens post playing career? Oh. It's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe I can answer because I'm really uh, between two bridges. So uh, my, I, I've got the foot in the door already. Yeah. I think I have uh, I think I'm okay. You know, I've been always heard like, yeah, if you decide to retire, it's quite hard. And then some people are going to a depression after that because they're used to just play hockey always. And then, uh, so for me, yeah, playing in the Netherlands kind of allowed me to uh, 
start working also at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, which I've, I've been doing in the last four years. So the playing hockey is kind of my second thing now, uh, which was always my first thing, but now it became my second thing. So makes it easier to decide, okay, if, if it's time to hang them out, then I can do it. And I'm, I'm kind of peaceful with it because I've, I've got already something uh, lined up. See, so I've, I've, I've got a job now. It's been uh, almost a year that I'm there. Uh, I'm an HR officer for a, for a company mm. called uh, Mozameet, uh, which is uh, well, well known uh, here in the Netherlands, but uh, also in the scientific world. Uh, they're, they're making, uh, well, we're making um, cell culture uh, burger. So uh, it's quite nice to see how uh, all those scientists, uh, some of them, like they, they really, really, and they really want to work for us. And they come from all over the world. And for some of them, it, it, they try and try to apply uh, several times uh, in, in two or three years. It's nice to be part of, 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 of this team and in this new challenge. So uh, I'm quite happy with, with, with this job. Uh, Corona made me have a break this year. Uh, the, the season is not is not going this, uh, this year, uh, which falls okay with me. Uh, as, as I said earlier, uh, I just uh, I have... A new, uh, a new little little girl daughter, so she's uh, four months. So uh, when the season was canceled, uh, the girl, uh, my girl, came in the, into the world a couple of weeks after that. So the timing was just perfect. If it's the end for me, hockey wise, uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll, I want to give it a go again, but uh, that will be purely. Uh, it's going to be about a decision about if I still love the sport and if my body can can still follow. But the future, the future for me is, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here in the Netherlands, uh, bought a house, so uh, we'll stay here uh, until the opportunity uh, comes uh, somewhere else, yeah. if it does or not. So uh, th- this is the future for me. I'm, I'm quite yeah. comfortable uh, in it. It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like you're making a natural transition, and it sounds like you've got you set up already. You can hear in the way you speak about your company. It sounds like you've already got something that you're proud of being a part of. So uh, yeah, and I think that's we, quite that's quite important. Uh, yeah, it's something yeah. to to put your energy and time in something, but you gotta enjoy it uh, yeah. while doing it, and that that, that 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 could be the thing. Yeah, it also sounds like you've you've set up your family situation quite nicely there too. So uh, kudos to you, Bravo. Thanks, thanks. I uh, am indecisive as well. I think uh, I hope I have a couple more years um, in this sport. Um, I feel good and, and I have, uh, other objectives that I'd like to accomplish before I retire. So a couple more years doing that after, after hockey, I'm not sure. Maybe I'd like to stay in the game. I've been uh, fortunate enough to see a lot of different cultures, learn some German, French. So hopefully do something with the language potentially in, in hockey as well. So who knows there? Um, but I do think that I would like to mirror the same kind of structure of working hard towards a goal. So in hockey, we're very cyclical. It's work out during the summer, work towards a goal at the end of the season. And you're also getting tested kind of uh, a couple times per week. So something that kind of mirrors that goal structure for me, keeping me motivated, keeping me fighting for something both in the short term, like a game, um, but also with that annual working towards something as well. So mm-hmm. I don't know. No, you're, you're already starting to put the, uh, the landscape together in terms of what it is you would, would, would satisfy you or, or challenge you enough. Uh, and and it can be something in the game too. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, the key is what you've said earlier on. I guess it would also be getting to know yourself quite well. 
in order to understand what what makes you tick and, and what kind of challenges would be would be good for you in terms of you uh, uh, picking up that challenge and and growing with that with the achievement of that challenge. Yeah. Yep. Okay, Maddie. Uh, for me, I, it's a tough question. I mean, uh, I like to play the game as long as possible, for sure. But uh, like Rye said, I think uh, like I've been hockey's been part of my life for so long that I don't know if I could after I retire if I could completely cut it out and not be a part of it. Uh, coaching might be something I'd be interested in. You know, been kind of looking at you know when you're in the room and seeing the coach things he does or you know looking at different things and maybe being able to bring those things in the future for myself but having a goal like Ryan said I think is so important and and being motivated to you know go to work and and doing those things like I want to I want to be able to love what I do I think that's one of the most important things for me so if hockey's still part of my life then great I mean if it's not then I'll, I'll find another motivation another goal in what I do next but not too sure what I'll, what I'll be doing next uh, in 10 years from now. Good stuff and a very fair answer. Okay, thanks, guys. Uh, any other last comments you have for each other or questions for each other before, we go, on, before we go on to Liam? Okay, I got a go very, very important one. So, Jan, Jan, there's a big, <laughs> Jan, there's a big French fries culture in the Netherlands. And Montreal's got great poutine. I need you to give a definitive answer. Who makes a better French fry? Montreal poutine or the Dutch fry culture. Uh, and with may- uh, and with mayonnaise or gravy. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's it's so it's so different here. Uh, the Netherlands definitely they love their fries. Uh, they want fries with everything, and they don't think it's yeah bad for them. You know, I mean, they they eat it like they love it, and they put a loads of uh, mayonnaise, like you just said. It's yeah. just uh, fries with mayonnaise. Sunday yeah. morning market. <laughs> uh, they, it, so for some of them it's they, it's a meal huh? they consider this a meal they, then they have their their cone of fries and that that's good enough for uh, as a lunch which in my opinion uh, you know where, where's your uh, you, you need your uh, you need your greens and vitamin but yeah it's pr- pretty good pretty good question actually well i actually i actually live uh, i live on the border of uh, of belgium uh, which uh, when i when i go okay. running I, I go in the Be- i go in belgium uh, so close is it it is uh they also have uh, obviously a nice culture of, of fries and they also have a d- that different fries over there that's really like the the thicker uh, pretty uh yeah thick uh thicker fries um but yeah like like ryan said uh it's <laughs> they love it it's it's crazy. I, need a vote. I need a vote who's got it montreal or the, or the dutch come on we need a square answer here. We're, at, yeah. we're asking the hard questions for. today. That's it. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, hey, I, I, I just, I, guys, a politician. I like yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, and I'm going to bail you out on there because I've lived both too, obviously. And uh, I'm going to say when you're in Rome, you eat like the Romans do. I tell you, I'm going to, when I'm in, in the Netherlands, I'm not going for a poutine. <laughs> I, I'm uh. going for their Kona fries. You're not going for a poutine because there's none. I'm craving craving for poutine. Thanks, Ryan. That's why you got to have a trip back to Montreal every year so that you can get your poutine (laughs) fix in. (laughs) Hey, really, that's not a joke. Sometimes I will, uh, 
if you haven't been, if I haven't been <laughs> gone home for a while, I'm sure the, the other guys also might have those those craving. And then I, I scroll Facebook or whatnot, and I see a picture of poutine, and then I'm like, oh wow, what what could I what could I, I, would, I do to have one right now? I would pay a fleurs. <laughs> I would pay a hundred euros right now to eat a poutine. I haven't been home in two years. I would pay anything oh, yeah. to eat a poutine right now. Uh, there's a, there's a place here uh, right right in Belgium, and then uh, they they tell themselves, "Hey, we're we're selling poutine. It's a product of Quebec, and blah blah blah." And okay, well, I have to go try it. And then, yeah. like, "Hey, I'm I'm from Quebec. You know, I know what you guys are talking about." And okay, hey, we need your uh, we need your input on this, and please. And okay, so I had like I I expectation. Oh, the, de <laughs> the deception, the deception. <laughs> So I gave a great, great email afterwards. They wanted my input, which I uh, obviously did. And I was quite honest, not, not harsh, but honest <laughs> in what, what they should be focusing on. But uh, yeah, they, they, they don't know. They, they, they simply don't know. Now, come on. Was that your late night place? Was it still the Fleurs? Uh, Where did you guys go for your late night uh, poutines? Yeah, La, 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 La Belle Provence. Province. Yeah, right, right, Provence. <laughs> right by the Rouge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true that. Yeah, all, yeah. all cash, no cards. <laughs> all cash, no cards. Every time, full house. Every time, three a.m. Line up. Yeah, it was ridiculous, yeah. but um, I, I, I actually have a question for uh, is Liam still on or? Hey, Liam's on. I just tried to unmute him. We're trying to see if he's gonna if we can hear him. Liam, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, good. Yeah, we can. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have a quick question for you. Um, so considering I kind of want to go towards the coaching direction, maybe in the future, I was wondering how, how, how was the transition from, you know, being a player to, to a coach and especially a head coach so quick, because usually, you know, you're part of the, the coaching aspect, but as maybe an assistant for, for many years. And obviously you see the game so differently as a player. I remember uh, David Urquhart asked me to go coach this peewee tournament with him once. And I, I was just watching the game from the bench, but like you, you got to look at, different things like how how hard was that transition for you when when you became the head coach um for me personally the trans the transition does take time it's the initial transition to playing and becoming an assistant coach and training your eyes to see what's on the ice and look for the right things and i think that almost takes a full three or four months to understand and and really get used to um pumps for someone who has aspirations like yourself too it's it's great to try and think about the situations you're in now as a player whether it's conflict or playing situations and systems and structures and try and think of it from a coaching perspective uh, for me I was training to become a coach from 20 and I spent my entire uh, university career training to become a coach and trying to use that thinking cap from a coaching perspective and I think it provides a lot of insight if you can think of things in that way and then utilize your resources too. You've got, um, you've got a great head coach there uh, with you. And I, I would not feel shy walking in his door and asking him why he's doing things. And if you're straight up about wanting to become a coach, he will likely take you under his wing and provide you some extra mentorship outside of the the playing feedback and player feedback as well. That's a great Thanks. input, Liam. Thank you for that. And that, that also is a part of what we, you missed when you, when we lost you on the line there was talking about mentorship. And I knew that you had that story to share. So it came up in this question and I'm, I'm delighted that it did. And if you have anything coaching wise that you ever want to bounce off me yeah. or I'm always a phone call. I'll just call you. 
<laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, that's a big that, that's a big reason why we got Liam on the call too. By the way, guys, but we got you all there is a question of you know are, have you been in touch with each other? Well, you, maybe not if you hadn't known each other before. But like, hey guys, you're all McGillians. You've all had the similar experience. You all love the program that you went through, and uh, the resources we have as a McGill network is unbelievable, quite honestly. And I would want for you to all realize that uh, we're all more than happy to hear from each other, just as you guys were when I reached out to you. You know, and here's this old fart doing it, and you're still saying, "Hey, he's not bad." <laughs> Getting it. some guy who shouldn't know how to work work a computer is telling us to come on Zoom. <laughs> Hit play. I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks, John. <laughs> Hit play. It was a hit record, man. <laughs> okay, good. Who's got a question for Liam? This new generation of 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 youngster. Uh... How do you manage, um, or what's your biggest challenge actually with with the new generation of of, of young guys? Um, no, that's a great question. Great question, Jan. Um, right. it, it's certainly a change. It's been a big change, and the the big difference for this younger generation is instant feedback or gratification. And they, I think, younger guys require and would would like in their teaching a lot more feedback. Um, so I, it takes a lot more time in a coach's day to communicate with each player individually rather than addressing teams as a whole, like you guys would have seen in your junior careers. So um, I think that's a change in, in that being direct and honest uh, in your responses. And can, can the young generation take easily feedback? I think if you're honest with them, they, they do not respond well to um, coming into a room and wanting an answer, but you kind of beating them around the bush or circling around and not giving a direct answer. Mm. Uh, for me, what I've found with our guys at McGill is the best way to manage things is talk with them directly about what's happening and what I'm seeing, whether it's positive or negative, showing them and telling them what my perspective is, but after gaining there. So generally they come in with a question and Uh, they won't, for instance, if they want more ice, it's responding to that with another question myself, instead of telling right away and ask and trying to get them to figure out, you know, why they want more, why, why they want more ice and what that sort of um, piece is in their mind. And then working back from, from that. And uh, can you know. say, can you say that you see a difference between let's say now and uh, back back in the days while you were playing uh, yourself or maybe like 10 years ago? Big difference. Yeah. For me personally, or for you guys, if you went into the room and asked, more ice, asked for more ice or asked why you're not playing, a coach is going to tell you, get out of my room or, you know, you're not good enough and shoo you away where we have a lot more reflective discussions. And uh, I think when a player comes into the dressing room and wants to know how he can earn more ice, we can give them more feedback. I can see their perspective and what things look like from their perspective and adapt my answer and, uh, and then kind of go from there. Nice. Well, it seemed that you know what, uh, what you're doing. It's, uh, it's nice to hear. Thanks for the answers. Mm. Yeah. He's got, uh, yeah, he's got some really nice background to it. It's, it's fun to listen to Liam. Right. You got some questions. You got a question for Liam? I'm hesitant to speak. I don't know if the volume's figured itself out here. It's Way perfect. Better. Thank you, Mike. You got the deep voices of uh, Barry White, man. 
<laughs> oh boy, thank you. Um, <laughs> Don't I start singing. A, my my apologies if uh, you guys brought it up while I was out there, but I was wondering. I looked up the team. It looks like you have almost half guys from uh, from Quebec and half from uh, elsewhere. I, over your four years, has that changed? Do you see an advantage to one formula over another, or is, is that a, a consideration in your recruiting process? Really good observation, Ryan. Uh, yes, that's something we're looking at making sure is, is diverse as a in terms of a national presence uh, of players. I think it's important to have people with other perspectives and ideas and, and upbringings. Uh, I, I still think we need a, a minimum 50% of our local student athletes from the Quebec region, uh, but diversifying and having the other 50% from, from your Newfoundlands and Nova Scotias to your BCs and Saskatchewan's, uh, I think really helps diversify the group and uh, the chemical makeup of your national championship team had a captain from Saskatchewan, for instance, and that's something we're actively trying to incorporate uh, within our team, our, our group moving forward and, and how we want our chemical makeup. All right, cool. A couple Americans too. <laughs> oh no, don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a good number of Americans over the years, by the way. So yeah. great answers. Okay, guys, uh, one last one breath word of advice to these McGill student athletes who are playing for the Red Birds now. What would you want to give them in terms of advice? You guys having gone through the program, moved on into pro hockey, having, having nice careers, moving forward in life. What's your feedback for them? Uh, to enjoy the, enjoy the process and, and, you know, soak it all in and not to take it for granted. Okay. Thanks, Matt. Ryan. Um, I would, uh, I would agree with Matt there. He makes a great point. Um, I would just maybe add, uh, we talked about earlier, sometimes feeling like a student and sometimes feeling like an athlete, but, uh, w whatever it may be, give it your hundred percent. Don't have any, uh, regrets coming out of there. Um, just go, uh, go 100% in whichever direction you are, whichever person you are for that given day, I guess. Good stuff. Jan. You might not uh, know it. You might not believe it. Uh, right, right in the beginning, but it, it goes fast. And uh, these, in a couple, in ten years from where you are right now, you're you're gonna say, oh yeah, well they were all right. All those old farts were right. <laughs> it it, go, it goes fast, and uh, you might you really. I did not know it myself uh, that uh, it would go so fast, and these were gonna be my my best years. So enjoy it, enjoy it to the max, enjoy it to the fullest. And after that, after your career. Uh, your your McGill career, you can do whatever whatever you want to do. You'll be able to do it. You've got the tools. Great stuff. Let's be honest. Every single person here in this in this chat, uh, hockey brought them plenty of, of 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 joy or a life opportunity of of everything, and it's all part of our of our DNA. Uh, I'm sure everybody can confirm that. And the last thing I'll add on too, and I'm sure Leon, I'll give you a word there too, but. Uh, is uh, stay in touch, stay in touch with each other, stay in touch with anybody who's been through the program. I mean, you guys, you speak the same, you sing the same song. I mean, listen to the kind of stuff you give them feedback. You sing the same song and I don't know how much you're in touch, but uh, you know, after this call, please do make it a point. You've got a McGill European alumnus here or alumni here that uh, makes darn good sense just for connecting with each other uh, and, and being there for each other, just like you were when you were players there, all the team, there's not one player that I've talked to that doesn't talk like you guys talk to. 
So that's a network we've got that we just don't take advantage of enough. It was absolutely fantastic. We did a podcast like this with the, uh, the captains who wear the, the ring, uh, where we had uh, Babs Comper and, and, and Mathieu Darche on. And uh, it was fantastic just listening to those guys uh, talk. And it was, I mean, okay, Matt and uh, Matt, Mike and uh, Jamie were teammates. Uh, but they just connected right away, just like you guys are doing. I mean, okay, you've had some overlap, and uh, and Jan got to, to put Matt here in nets and shoot at him, but uh, as a kid, but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, there's a commonality there, and there's a spirit there, and there's a quality of the McGillians that mm-hmm. you don't see until you're away from McGill, and that's something that's very special. And I would want for you all to uh, to be willing and ready to give back. And with that word right there, I'll pass it on to Liam. Fellas, thanks so much for sharing your story today. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. And there's a lot that can be learned for our current student athletes and our incoming players too. And um, I think some of the key points that you guys touched on from, uh, from Jan saying this is the best time of your life as a student, I think that's something more important now than ever for our, our student athletes to realize, even though they're not having the opportunity to play and um, and Palms talking about his, his support network and the guidance that he's been provided, not only while playing at McGill, but after McGill using his Dan Jacobs and, mm. uh, and guys like yourself to, uh, as a sounding board to, to make balanced and, and good decisions moving forward. And, and then Ryan talking about the tools um, of introspection and other things that he gained away from the rink. I think uh, holistically, some of the stuff you guys talked about is real valuable for, for our current student athletes, but, but everyone uh, that we have within our alumni family. So thanks for sharing. This brings to an end a very fun-filled and factual captain's meeting. Thank you so much, Jan, Ryan, and Mathieu for taking part. Really appreciated hearing your stories and reconnecting with all of you. And a very big thank you goes out for the continuing support and sharing of wisdom from our coach, Liam Hillis. Liam, thank you. It's always a pleasure. Until we see you next time, this is Ken Tyler signing off, wanting you to keep your elbows up and your sticks on the ice.